Welcome back to Nerdery and Nonsense from the Nerds with Accents Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe, aka that dude from VI, aka the Renaissance Nerd, aka Young Iro. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Make sure you guys show the pod some love by following us, subscribing, giving us a five-star rating and review, and telling a friend to tell a friend. It's a small gesture, but we really, really appreciate it, and it helps out the show. Um, we also welcome your feedback, so right into the show, we'll read it. Uh, tell us you like the show, you love, hate our takes, or just comment on a particular episode. It's all good either way. So you can do so by commenting on our Facebook page, our Podomatic page, just on that particular episode, just fire away. Or you can hit us up on our new Twitter account, um, at TNWAPod. And yeah, and obviously the rest of our socials will be in the show notes, like always, man. So as always, I have my guy with me, uh, JG, the magnanimous one, the legendary troll, you know what I mean? The myth of Maryland. What's good, my guy? Greetings, greetings, man. Just living the myth, being legendary. I see what it is, man. The nerd council, alive and well, doing what we do. Dope, 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 dope. And return guest, I believe this is her fourth it may be her fourth time back the light-skinned goddess herself one of the people one of my close friends who i just love to troll so much for fear on unfair reasons sydney what's goody hey what's up it's been a while and there are more unfair reasons than fair reasons just to put that on the record sure sure i mean i just think it's funny that during this this time that us us dark-skinned Negroes having a hard time that Sydney with her light-skinned oppression just wants to tell me that my, my viewpoints isn't fair. I mean, I think it's really insensitive in this time of, of social unrest and the oppression of Negroes. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? light skins go light skin. Am I right, JG? Hey, man, I'm trying to code all the light skin stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm new to it. You know, Joel is real clever with this stuff. So Wow. And I'm, I'm, already I'm still observing. Attacked. I'm observing mm. the light skin patterns of mm. behavior mm. to see mm. if mm. I can uh, decode what's going on. You know, and as you guys know, I have we have more for you guys. Brilliant topics, good conversations. But before we get into this, you see how we have a guest on the show. JG is already throwing me on the, under the bus. The same way he did a couple of weeks ago, like... This is, the type of, this is the type of teamwork that I have to come to every week, you know, the lack thereof. I just, I just want to point out, though, that there has, there's clearly a pattern here. Okay? <laughs> if he has to throw you under the bus all the time, you are the problem. You really? are the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really riveting and revealing, really, and truly. You know what I mean? That uh, you basically just shaming me for being a victim. You know what I mean? It makes sense. Those are more power. Don't like to hold other people with power accountable. So I really appreciate you pointing out for the listeners, you know, because this is a funny show. We have fun, but sometimes reality sets in. And I thank you, Sydney, for showing us the way in the darkness. A light, if you will, from the light-skinned goddess. Boom, did it again. So and I thank <laughs> you for being a great podcast leader and joining me in the fire whenever I took fire. So right i appreciate right. you man no problem you know what i mean the, that dude from vi aka the vi meat shield so <laughs> with that you guys know what it is we have a bunch of great topics on the way looking forward to some discussions and as always we start off with what we care about in nerdery um i should be gentlemanly and let our guest go first but i won't 
because her topic is dope and I kind of want to spread out and we can really talk about it. So I'm going to jump out and go first. And first this week, I wanted to talk about um, the Black Panther franchise a little bit. Obviously, you know, we talked about it a lot last week. I feel like me and JJ had a good discussion kind of talking about, you know what I mean? The loss of Chadwick Boseman. And um, I don't know, I, I had some thoughts I had some thoughts about, you know, his passing and also in terms of where they go from here. Um, last week, I felt that it was kind of, it was indelicate, you know what I mean? To really talk about where the, the, where the franchise would go from here. But a lot of people have been talking about it this week, you know, while eulogizing Chadwick about where they think the franchise should go. And I kind of wanted to open it up for discussion, you know, because I, I, I know... I know there's a lot of way they could take the franchise and I know that uh, Marvel was kind of looking into kind of passing the mantle from Iron Man to like several characters, you know, it was really going to be about Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, but not without Chadwick. It's kind of putting everything in flux because they really had no idea he was sick at all. Apparently not even Kevin Feige. So I've been seeing a lot of conversations about people talking about whether they should bring back uh, what's his name killmonger and having like do like a, a a turn where he becomes a good person or 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 sure he should lead it or sure he should become the black panther so i guess what are you guys thinking about that in terms of what direction they should go do you guys think they should immediately say hey let's try to hand it off to shuri or should they find some way to kind of do a story that kind of naturally and progressively brings her to power I will let Sydney go first, as I guess. Yeah, um, I thought about that this week too, and I'm I will automatically lean to um, Shuri becoming the Black Panther because I think that sticks more closely to the original comics, right? So um, I I think that that makes sense. Um, I think that it can be a gradual transition because, like you know, like with Star Wars and Leia and all of that stuff, they did a lot of CGI work that allows you to do a lot more with movies than you could before. So they could do some sort of like gradual transition of letting him go or like giving people the nostalgia of him still being there um, slowly to transition to her. I understand the, the, the people who are leaning more towards the Killmonger thing, but I don't think that it fits. Um, I could go down a right. more... I don't want to say political or I don't know what the word is. I could go down a more like spicy route in terms of why I don't think that that fits, but I don't know if you guys want to go there. Wait, what but, do you um, mean? I need all the spice. I mean, give me that light skin spice <laughs> right now. I mean, okay. I have to say my words. Just pick my words very carefully. I think that so when you with the original with the first Black Panther, um, they give you a clear like difference between who Killmonger is and who T'Challa is. They give Killmonger this um, background of being from the states, um, from the United States, and having that history of like what shaped him comes from um, the like suffering and all of the injustice that he had to face in the United States. And I feel like a lot of um, black americans would appreciate him becoming black panther and i could see i could see uh uh marvel or disney or whoever um the people pro producing it thinking 
that that's a lot more marketable because there's going to be a really big pull from the black American community in the United States to like follow it and watch it and, and push for it and be behind it. Um, because it will be following a black Panther that has that mindset and philosophy of people of black people from the States. Um, so I, I get that. And I totally, I can validate that and, and respect it. And, and, and you're like, take it in. I totally get it. But for me, I would rather than stay closer to, and that, that take that I have on that is really from a marketing and money standpoint. You know what I mean? Like why I could see right. them taking that story route. Um, but I feel like you could also from a marketing and whatever standpoint, take the Shuri route because you're pulling in women and you're pulling, you know what I mean? Like you could do that whole thing too. Right. But for me, like, um, it's more of a, it sticks closer to the comics. Let's just go that way because the true comic book fans and true like fans of Black Panther who know the background of it would probably really feel and appreciate that the most. And it'll just be more genuine. So I would go the Shuri route. Okay. With with the transition of um with T'Challa still being there because we have the technology to do that now. Okay, so before I let JG take it up, so I guess and obviously I guess maybe only his family could really answer this, but I was thinking about that too, right? Like, you know, use that technology to still kind of have him integrated in part two, and then you pass it on to her. But um is that insensitive to do? You know what I mean? To have him come back um on screen, I guess digitally, and not being here, like you do, do you find that insensitive in terms of like remembering, you know, his memory and, and, and all that he did for the franchise? Would you like me to answer this question? Oh, that was for Cindy. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was, for, I thought it was for John. Sorry. Um, all good. No, because um, the fact that no one knew what he was going through, the fact that he was pushing all of these movies and, uh, and, and I had a conversation with some other people about this, about Chad, Chadwick himself and the fact that he did all of that stuff while he was sick. Um, number one, you could see it from a point of you have all of these things that you want to do or need to do or feel like you have to do um, in your space. And that's why he pushed forward and made it through and did all of those movies in that short amount of time. You could also see it as him feeling like he has an obligation to tell these stories. And right. that's where, that's why I don't think that he would have a problem with it um, because he understands what he, uh, this is me think, you know, like thinking what he would think. Um, right. I would, I think that he understood what he, what him and Black Panther meant to a lot of people, young and old, especially the young and um, being able to continue on that even in now, I think that he would, I think he would be okay with it because it's because of the meaning and message that it, that it carries. He would, I feel like he would want to be connected to that um, just so that it gives people the feeling, the aspirations and the hope and all of that stuff that people got from the movie. So I don't think that he would have a problem with that from the, from the fact that he didn't tell anybody that he was sick. He was expecting to continue going. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Okay, that's dope. And that's a, that's, that's a good point. I, get, I have a spicy take on, on who should be the next uh, Black Panther, but I'm going to let JJ go. So, JJ, how do you feel about the whole situation? Well, I'll address what you asked Sydney just now. I think ultimately it will come down to the family. I think Disney should go to the family and ask them if they should use his likeness, you know, mm -hmm. in future movies using technology. I think that's the best bet. 
But, uh, you know, I do think that he would want to continue to tell these stories to a certain extent. And as far as the progression and the transition of Black Panther, I also agree on Shuri. I think Shuri is the best decision. Uh, I think Killmonger, I like Kill, I like Killmonger. I like Michael B. Jordan. I think he had some valid gripes. I don't really right. like the way he went about it, but right, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> they could. De- I think he should be a part of the movie. I think he should definitely be included in the movie. You know, him being resurrected. You know, playing some type of different role. But I don't think it'd be a smooth or natural transition or progression right. to turn a guy that was a brutal dictator. Right. <laughs> into a heartwarming ruler all of a sudden that's going to defend the world. Right. I, I think clearly that the better and smoother trans, you know, transition would be to Shuri, you know, right. and also that happens in the comics as well. Right. You know, right. under different circumstances with other villains that haven't been introduced as of yet, but still, you know, that's the natural step forward as, as well. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I like, I like what y'all are saying. I don't think I would get upset at that if they decided to go that road because really and truly they, they didn't know they obviously have to tweak a lot of movies because he was going to be in a bunch of the movies. Because if you know anything about a comic book character, like this is a man to be matched. Like he beats people he's not supposed to beat because he's just like smarter than them. And he has a plan for the plan for the plan for the plan. You know what I mean? So I know they had big plans for him moving forward. But I was thinking about this and I was just like, why not? And this is kind of why I wanted to talk about it. Why not let M'Baku be Black Panther in between T'Challa and Shuri. That's the way you would because think about it in the first movie, and I'm just going based on what we have, not solely on comic books, because I know in the comic books he's depicted a lot differently. He's way more antagonistic to T'Challa. But in the first one, remember they offered him the herb. They offered him the herb to basically help defend Wakanda after um Killmonger came and run Rob Shadow, whatever, right? So that could be interesting because now you find a way for T'Challa to be gone, obviously within the story. We know the real world scenario, right? He could become Black Panther and then maybe he take it in a route that everybody don't like and that gives an opportunity for Shuri, who he already antagonized in the beginning of the film, to come and supplant him and become the Black Panther. Well, bars. Disney, holla at your boy. <laughs> holla at your boy. Okay, okay. Well, I like your attempt at being a movie film writer, you know. <laughs> you but um, hold up, y'all hear the y'all hear the shit. I like your attempt. I mean, this guy, it's like I walk with this man every week, and here comes the shit. I mean, it's creative. It is, but I have a few things on that. I see what you're saying, but right. one, they need to flesh out his character some more. You know, he's a powerful side character, but that's about it. You know, two, he doesn't have the same type of connections that Shuri has to the Marvel Universe. You know, Shuri was with them in, in Endgame fighting Thanos. Like, so was he, act- he was there as well. He just oh, didn't yeah. talk a lot. Okay. He All right. Yeah, as- but he wasn't he was on the there front. As well. He wasn't on the front lines like Shuri. We don't know about him the way we know about Shuri. He wasn't right. there. Healing was his name in the laboratory. He wasn't in, you know, he wasn't right. doing all of right. that. Right, right, right. Shuri has a direct connection to goddamn Iron Man, the Hulk, all of them. True. She's just a more connected character in okay. a more connected world because M'Baku's people live off in the mountains somewhere freezing cold. So, <laughs> so you know, I think, you know, they'd have to really go, they'd really have to give us some more stuff, you know, to, to let us know more about M'Baku to involve him in a, in a manner in which he could actually take on the mantle of Black Panther. I think that'd be a lot of work. And I think they just have more to go on with Shuri. You know, it's right. just easier. See, that's the would- thing. 
I think that's completely valid. And I won't stay on this long because we got a bunch of dope stuff to get to. But I guess in my mind, I think you need to have a bridge to her. If you immediately do it, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it might be too rigid of a transition. That's yeah. kind of how I feel. But if they do it, if anybody could do it, Marvel could do it. So I'm not going to be mad. I still going to buy it and be happy about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just yeah, going to say. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, but if you think about like, you know, the whole like royalty aspect to, you know, to Black Panther and the tribes and all of that stuff. If he were to die, the next person or heir or whatever, not to Black Panther necessarily, but to their tribe Mm -hmm. would be Shuri. You know what I mean? So like, there isn't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm misinterpreting, but I guess when a new person comes to power, they do the, the challenge. Yeah, the ritual combat. I mean, like, if if there's a protocol in place, let's say that, not because Chadwick died, but, you know, at some point they'd have to address that. So like, you know, like he, T'Challa at some point will have to die in whatever story that they choose. And if that's the case, there's already a protocol in place for this. Shuri would become the next heir or of that tribe, and then they would have to do a challenge. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Exactly, right? You would the yeah. power will go to so, her, and she would have hold up. I don't mean to cut you off, but she would have to challenge. And based on what we've seen in episode one, she don't swing any hands. So you need to develop her in a bunch of ways to be able to even fight Mbaku and you have to believe it. So I think we need time to build up her character in a different way. We already have Mbaku. You could just, I don't know how you would do it. I know I'm giving very broad points, but I think there's a way to do it to let her develop in more ways. Because if you drop her in episode two and fight Mbaku and she wins, that makes no sense story-wise based on what we've seen. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I'm just saying that with with the protocol that's in place in the story there's no way for you to necessarily unless there's let me finish my sentence there's no way for you to 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 go to from mbaku back to shuri unless she like like you said gets very strong and then like challenges him again that's the only way that that would work right right she has to challenge him. right okay that's what, mm-hmm. yeah that's what i think because yeah, yeah. Right now, based on what they're showing us, that's going to be a brutal fight. It might be worse than when T'Challa got rocked the first time. You know what I mean? But, JG, I know you wanted to chime in before we move on. I was just saying, you know, both of you mentioned it already. You do have to explain her taking power. You just can't, boom, the movie start and she have on right. the Black Panther mask. <laughs> right. That ain't, that's not going to work. Right, <laughs> right, but, right, right. you know, I wouldn't go to Mbaku route. I think the better route would probably be the Dora Milaje, the head of the Dora Milaje. The, the war general, you know. Mm, okay, you know, so more like did, Okoye. Yeah, Okoye. They did say that she was the strongest warrior in That's Wakanda. True. And she yeah. could groom Shuri into being that type of warrior along with her, you know, already technological intelligence. She already has that part. The head of the Dora Milaje can, you know, be the intermediate, the interim Black Panther and groom Shuri into her role. And, you know, they could just do it that way. I think that'd be more natural. I kind of like that because if you have that while she's she's developing while Mbaku, whoever is threatening, you know what I mean? Trying to see power or whatever, that could be compelling. You know what I mean? So look at that, Disney. We argued until we thought we all pitched into a perfect movie. So just holler at us, you know, send us a check and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go from there. But yeah, man, I don't know. I was just thinking about that this week, you know what I mean? As well as thoughts about Chadwick. And I was like, okay, well. I just, I just, I just feel it would be compelling to have my boy Mbaku, but we'll see, man. I, I, I trust, I trust Marvel. 
And um, I'm looking forward to it. So that's kind of what I was thinking about this week in my mind, in regards to what I was caring about. Um, JG, what about you? What do you What do you care about this week? It's not as complex. I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, you know, we all come to expect that. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. All right. All right, Mbaku. Okay. Mbaku. All right. Um, Animal Crossing, man. Crossing Animals. All right. You know, that's what I'm about. I love that game very much. And they're having some fall updates in a little while, and I'm very excited. Now, you know, I love fall. That's one of my favorite seasons. Seeing fall, you got October, November, and some of the beginnings of December. So you have Halloween, you got Thanksgiving, and then a little bit of the, a little sprinkle, a little garnish of the Christmas before winter, you know, takes over. So they're going to reflect that in Animal Crossing. You know, everything's going to change colors, you know, pumpkin spice vibes, you know, brown leaves, acorns, um, a whole different breed of fish and insects for me to collect and chase down and hunt to extinction. Right. Uh, Yeah, it's just going to be really dope. Uh, I hope that your island is ready. You know, I haven't picked mine up in a while. And, you know, if you leave your island just there, it's going to be a bunch of weeds waiting for you. If right. you sit down there for months, it's probably going to be cockroaches. Yes, you'll have cockroaches in your house, really, in the game. Well, mine's going to be full of cockroaches because I have not, since Ghost of Tsushima come out, I have not touched that game. So it's going to be wild on my island. You know what I mean? And as you already know, my island was already, you know, a work in progress. You know what I mean? It was a work in progress. But oh, I know. Say- I was there. Oh, re- oh wow. Okay. I went to the island. I witnessed. You know, I remember it, but, but what I also remember was just that um, we're still boycotting Santa Cruz. We're still boycotting your island because of the, the you know, the injustices that's happening, you know, your uh, discrimination against, what was it, ant eaters, whatever it was. Um, remember, guys, boycott Santa Cruz. Okay. Yeah. I'm just waiting for your boycott to actually gain members, you know, <laughs> you know some active membership. You know, well, it's the driest boycott I ever <laughs> seen in my life. Like, you got one member on your boycott, and he don't even boycott consistently. Hey, yo, man, I boycott by not going. You know what I mean? By playing Ghost of Tsushima, man. But okay. yeah, man, I mean, the updates are cool. I'm I'm excited to see what they come up with. But to be frank, I haven't been on my island in a while, boss. So I don't know. But I, I want to say this, you know what I mean? Because I'm pretty sure Sydney has not gotten this game yet. You know what I mean? So Sydney, let me ex- explain why you failed us. You failed me again. Why have you not procured this game? I want to hear it. Let the listeners know why you failed me. Okay, I have a very addictive personality. Mm. I know myself enough to know that if I commit and invest time right. in this game, because I like games like that, that, you know, like you, it just kind of, it, it could be like a little bit of regular life or just kind of doing like very mundane things. I like stuff like that. Um, but because I know myself, I have chosen to not do it because it's a dangerous route for me to take. So that's the reason why it's not a very good, I mean, like I just, I, I know myself enough to stay away um, until I probably have more time to like, you know, like downtime to just waste on it. But what right. I will say is that John's description of this update was very, very good because I got hashtag uh, pumpkin spice vibes in there. And Thank I got, um, I, we went from like pumpkin spice vibes to like hunting animals to extinction, which is like two totally separate ranges. Um, so it sounds very exciting from what John described. Well, thank you, thank you. Look, 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 look at that. Look at that. We find we finally have Discord. I mean, and 
Sydney gave her reasons. You know what I mean? She's trying to protect her mental health. She's trying to fight her addictive properties. But all I hear is her dropping the ball. That's the only thing I heard in all of that. She dropping, she dropping the ball. <laughs> but no, man, I, I get it. I get it. Because one thing I will say, the game is very addictive. You pick up the game and you blink on four or five hours past and you're just like, oh, my God, like I have to work tomorrow. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. Yeah. When, when I started um, the Pokemon game, when, whenever it had come out, that was ridiculous. I was uh, driving out at like all hours of the night just to pick up Pokemon all over the island. Like it was crazy. And I was like, I have, I have to sleep. I have work tomorrow. Like, why am I out at like 1130 at night just roaming the streets with freaking Pokemon? It was crazy. That's why I had a reality. I had to like have an intervention with myself. And ever since then, I just, you know, I reserve, I keep myself reserved from those types of games. Right, 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 right. Well, I don't blame you. You know, for once, I'm actually going to understand what you're saying instead of like troll you relentlessly for my own comedy. So I, I definitely <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. But uh, we're going to see you to the floor again. I know you had an interesting topic. So tell us what you were caring about this week in uh, the realm of nerdery. So, um, yeah, what I've been caring about this week is fairly recent. And um, a lot of people have been talking about it the past couple of days. And it has to do with John Boyega and um, a GQ article that came out um, where they interviewed him. And it was a very, very good article because it gave a lot of really colorful background on who John Boyega is, which is important to know for me. Like, I love reading stuff like that about actors um, um, because, you know, if they're known for a specific thing, you kind of get to know a little bit more about them. So with John Boyega, most people know him from, from the Star Wars trilogy, the recent Star Wars trilogy. Um, and they kind of give you a little more context and background to who he is outside of that. But of course, what everybody was talking about was a very specific clip in the GQ article where um, he basically went in on everybody, <laughs> like <laughs> in the production of That's the right. Star Wars trilogy. He went in and like, like no holds barred, just kind of like let it happen. And I understand like why that happened. Like if you've been paying, if people have been paying attention to John Boyega, um, in like in the news and I guess pop culture in general the past couple of months he's been very like outspoken and stuff about um, all of the injustices with right. um, yeah like minorities and Black Lives Matter and um, like the equivalent in the UK and all of that stuff he's been super vocal and just kind of like angry and he talks about that in the article like he's it's okay for him to be angry and like just speak out about things that he doesn't think is fair so he decided to just roll with that and talk about Star Wars and the fact that he didn't think that um, a lot of the, 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 the characters of color in the trilogy were given a fair shot of being really well thought out and um, well built characters in terms of their like story arc and their backgrounds and things like that, um, which he says, which I think is also true, doesn't happen a lot with, with characters of color in any, in, in most movies, they're kind of given like side, you know, like side, they're like a side character right. or like a sidekick or something like that. And um, serve a very specific, very narrow purpose in terms of what they bring to the film. And um, he talks about how Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver and their characters, of course, have really great arcs and, um, People like um, Ro I think it's Rose um, and yeah, Rose. Um, Poe are not and and Finn are not really given um, really dynamic 
backgrounds or dynamic stories. Right. Um, and I agree with him. I agree with him with all of those things. Um, and what makes it more frustrating, and he mentions in the article too, is that the first movie um, really set up Finn to be like something special. Like you could tell that the story was sort of giving him some emphasis and some like mystery as to like where it would go. And that was really exciting for a lot of people. That was really contentious yep. for a lot of people. Yep, that's a big uh, deal. And he got, yeah, he got that flack then. Like he absorbed all of that. But I think for me, that made it even more interesting to see where it was going. And then The Last Jedi happened. And that was like, just, uh, I mean, for me, it was underwhelming and confusing. And I just didn't really understand where they were going with some of the characters and um that, that oh, was just no. confusing and wait, that Ryan wait and- wait hold up hold up here we go I mean this oh no I have to clarify before I let you continue okay, okay so you mean ahead. in regards to John Boyega's character you didn't let, so we still talking about what it's doing with him or you didn't like the movie at all um both I think that the movie overall okay. was was confusing to me in some senses because because they weren't really consistent with how you know like legacy characters were like I feel like you know Luke Skywalker and The Last Jedi was very confusing to me um for a number of reasons but we don't have to talk about that that's like a totally different topic um so overall I thought the movie was a little confusing and then they dropped the ball on on characters like Finn and then when they introduced Rose like they I don't know they just seemed to be they they lost some color or when they introduced her it was just like another sidekick kind of character to me and so I get where he was coming from and he he doesn't mention Ryan Johnson but as you know Ryan Johnson was a director for mm-hmm. the second movie JJ right. Abrams was a director for the first and the third movie so he talks about in the article why you know don't come for JJ Abrams because he had to clean up the mess that was made in the hmm. second movie with Ryan Johnson um yeah so and I think I think the third movie was fine to me but getting back to the second movie and his point I agree with all of those things. My, what I cared about in terms of that article was actually thinking about, well, what, what would have or should have happened in the second movie with Finn's character. Like that, that middle movie, um, because it's in the middle and it's kind of like a transitional, it, it can be a transitional piece to the end, which is supposed to be a really big kind of closure to the entire franchise in terms of that storyline. Um, what what should what should have happened in that movie with Finn? Because it would have changed his character a lot, even in the in the third movie, which was really focused on, of course, um, Ray um, and um, what's his name, Adam Driver's character, Kylo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Kylo. The, that was fine. I mean, their character, their whole um, relationship in the third movie. Uh, was also very confusing to me. And I just want to shout out my brother, Jordan K. Paul, um, because I had a conversation with him about this earlier. And he had like all of these really interesting routes of where Finn's character could have gone and should have gone that would have made the last movie even better. So I, what I pose to you guys is not necessarily talking about like the whole, um, the whole fact that, you know, car- um, actors of color don't really get the, the depth that they need in their roles, but ne- but more specifically on Star Wars, like if you could have changed that second movie or changed Finn's character to be something different in the end, would you have? And what what would it be like? Why? How would you change it to make it better or different? 
Well, first to address, you know, the article and, and what you were saying, uh, it kind of reminded me of this trend that we're seeing, this, uh, this common pattern of a yearning for real change. You know, it seems like we haven't overcome that hurdle of symbolism. You know, we'll give you a painting, we'll give you a statue, we'll give you a character, but we're not going to do anything significant per se to change the experience of African-Americans in this country. And I think John Boyega's experience in Star Wars is kind of uh, indicative of that same common pattern, you know, symbolism. Like, if you ask me, you know, to answer the second question, he should have been a Jedi. He should have also been swinging the lightsaber right up there with Ray, But instead, they just made him the, you know, he did a great job, but, you know, I'm going to use my language here. They made him, <laughs> they made him the Force-sensitive, flunky lover boy. Force running behind Ray. Oh, Ray, where are you going? Wait. Are you okay? I can sense her. I mean. Fighting emotions on another planet. JJ. But she, <laughs> he ain't doing nothing. Where's your lightsaber at, bro? How come you ain't got the lightning? <laughs> How come you in force pushing nobody through a while? Boss, boss. Oh, let, man. let me just say this. That's an excellent point. More ways character. Go ahead, bro. That's an excellent point. Man, man, man. <laughs> I got afraid. I mean, that was that was a very interesting looking white woman, though. I mean, come on, no. I mean, we I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I get what he was screaming, Ray, for the whole series. <laughs> come on now, bro. <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> no, but I'm making a joke, but but okay, go ahead. So I, 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 you know me. I had to interject my joke. You know, shout out to Ray. Call at me. Definitely. No, no, go oh, ahead, go ahead. I, I just have to fit that on. in. You know, he was a uh, Louis is the 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 force sensitive flunky lover boy. I mean, I, I want that to be the title, but I could barely remember it. You gotta remember that for me because I don't okay. know what, what no the problem. Hell that was. No problem. Yeah, man. But that that was really the the gist of my point. That's pretty much it. You know, he should have been a Jedi. You know, why only have one Jedi? They had a whole academy back in the day. You're going to bring back one Jedi? And then you got another, you have another person who's, well, who's very capable, who has the full sensitivity. He should be learning the lessons, too. Right. Fighting, all right? They had a whole bunch of Sith and a whole bunch of, um, what's the name of the Knights? The Knights of Ren. They had a Knights whole bunch Ren. of people mm-hmm. to fight. He could have been right up there. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't want symbolism, man. I want real change. I want real impact, real right. influence people really doing something for real. Don't just put me in there, the token. It's like, you know, people always talk about that token person. You think that's an old argument, an old conversation, but it's very much relevant to this very day. It's just tokenism. Right. No, I mean, I, I feel you, man. And I, I'm glad that you, you, you said what you felt. You know what I mean? I mean, this is what I'll say. I think in regards to the whole racial thing, um, I think he's right. It, it's clear that... And Jada Tenkin, to his credit, he he brought this up to me when the whole, you know, this new iteration of the movies came out. Because he was saying, oh, oh, Finn is going to be the Jedi. They kind of cut the trailer to make us feel that way. Um, and he felt kind of betrayed, to be honest, because he really thought, yo, we're going to get a black Jedi who going to be the star. You know what I mean? And they kind of bathed. They hit us with the bath and switch, to be honest. They, they did. But... His with the bait and switch, so I understand why he feel that way. They kind of they kind of use people's excitement to kind of fuel, you know, fuel the, the the fervor to go and watch the movie. So I definitely understand that. Um, in regards to I guess uh, the middle movie, the Last Jedi, I actually 
really enjoyed the movie because I feel like what it did in general, because what it did was it opened up the show to be more like the, not sorry, the show. It opened up the movie universe to be more like the show universe where the use of the force is way more varied. It wasn't just force push, force choke, swing sods, swing sods. If you see in the show and all the extended universe, that's canon, right? The force has many uses. So you saw Leia doing what she did when she was blow, blown out of the, um, the ship, right? You saw, um, what was it? Basically, time, bending time and space with the force. You saw healing with the force. Things like this show in the show because it basically widens it and says, okay, the force is not just use in combat. It's more multi-purpose and it makes sense within the larger scope of the force and how you can use it depending on what spectrum of the what part of the spectrum of the force you're on so i really have a problem with it in regards to finn yeah they kind of give him short shrift they kind of made him like he's force sensitive you could like feel things but it was just like you feeling things but you don't have anything significant to do so i think he got short shrift but in regards to the last jedi i don't have a problem with it especially because i know where they wanted to go they wasn't counting on leia dying you know what i mean Carrie Fisher dying and you could tell from the last episode they and they even said it in some articles where they had to cut the movie differently because each movie represented one of the old characters the first one was Han Solo the middle one was Luke and the last one was Leia and we saw in the last movie Leia was basically stronger than Luke she was so she was a beast too but then when she dies it limits what you could film with her and apparently her and rose had a lot of connections that they had to cut because if leia's not in the movie and she's connected with rose you have to cut the, the parts with rose out so i, I kind of feel like he has a good point the bait and switch is a strong point but the other parts of it i think is more tied into the fact that leia died and i put a monkey wrench in the plan and they had to kind of scramble you know what i mean so i'm with him partially but the other part, I'm like, uh, not so much. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, uh, not so much. Well, so that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I think one thing we need to mention, I think the, the one quote that he said, I'm trying to find a quote, but basically he was saying, don't bring attention and try to use me as a bargaining chip or a marketing ploy. Yeah, and that's the bait on switch. Not follow up on, yeah, the bait, okay. Right. Because... Looking back on it, they intentionally did that. Like there were there were trailers where they had him with the, with the lightsaber. So I'm going into the movie expecting him to be a Jedi because that's what it seemed to be advertised in the trailers and the commercials. And that's not what happened. So you, you know you being intentional with it as well and not actually following up on the character. I just thought we should emphasize that. But um, yeah, we covered it. I'm good. Yeah, and I, what I'll just add to that to kind of, I guess, smooth things over, or at least um, because I love Star Wars, um, is that... Don't apologize. Of, That's, don't apologize. Look at how you're on backpedal. I mean, come no, on. No, not smooth. I don't want smooth over <laughs> is the wrong word. But what I will say is that the beauty of the, the Star Wars universe is that there's so much that you can do with it. And they are doing that with a lot of the shows. Right. Um, so my expectation moving forward is that there are places and spaces for characters of color to be given the right the the, the opportunities and the depth that they should have um 
because the universe that that you know it, it's huge and um yeah i'm just looking forward to when they rectify that no big facts man big facts i, I definitely think with stuff like the mandalorian and the obi-wan series that's coming i think they're kind of getting a better handle on it kind of how they want to do it so i'm with you man hopefully they could kind of learn from those series and and you know do their do their best to kind of figure it out man so for sure for sure for sure but um that is basically what we had for what we care about now we're gonna move on to what intrigues and nerdery and uh yeah we, we definitely have some interesting things man so starting off Y'all know if you guys were listening the last couple of weeks, we talked a lot about the DC fandom because they had all of the trailers. They had so many damn trailers. Like, it's ridiculous. It took, it took us like two weeks <laughs> to talk about all of those damn trailers. Um, but apparently DC fandom generated um, 22 million global views, um, essentially over that, like, I think it was maybe 12 or so hours, I think, of of programming. And... They basically got all those views uh, from over 220 countries and territories, um, I guess, over the 24-hour period. And I really thought that was interesting because I know me and JJ, we talked about it previously where I was saying, hey, things like San Diego Comic-Con at home, things like DC Fandom, I like it, I like it better in a way than all the DC fan, than all of the, the in-person cons because you can kind of pick and choose what you want to watch you know you have more control over what happens and what you pay and what you pay attention to than when you go to a place it's like well i'm already here i can't see one panel and then pay all this money and then just go home you know because i've been to some of these conventions in real life and it just doesn't make sense in terms of respecting your money and your time so and we saw san diego comic-con at home fail completely nobody was talking about it Nobody logged in to watch it. They had like half a million views over like days of programming, like five days of programming was abysmal. So DC fandom was a smash. And I, I really enjoyed a lot of it despite, you know, you know, we were basically the DC detractors on the show. We have fun talking about DC's failures, <laughs> but um, I thought it was pretty encouraging how well the DC fandom did. And I, I really wanted to see, quickly i guess how do you guys feel about this becoming more prevalent cons like this that's more focused and narrow and you know hey i rock with dc i know i'm gonna rock with this for eight hours let me see what's going on as opposed to this little bit of this property here that i like and i kind of like this one you know so i guess i'll start off with Sydney. like how do you feel about having more cons like this more like narrow and focused I, I think it's I think it's super interesting and great and it falls in line with like the evolution of how people um, ingest or you know what I mean like take in um, pop culture and movies and things like that like when you think about when uh, Netflix started um, and especially when they started like um, putting shows on Netflix now there are tons of people who prefer to watch shows on their own time when they want to binge it if they want watch it you know like every other day like whatever however they want they can do that because of the structure that the that the internet has allowed you to 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 use that for so i just see it as an evolution with um with these conventions and conferences too and you know this since covid happened since the pandemic um happened 
I've been trying to figure out as somebody who like tends for work, like tends to go to a couple conferences, like, well, how are they going to do that? How are they going to make it like, not just like a string of zoom videos, which is super boring. How do you make it like really interactive? Like that's a really interesting, um, um, strategy to think about for people who like this is their entire life produ producing these giant conventions especially things like comic-con and all of that and stuff like that so right. i i really gotta commend dc for that and as a dc detractor myself i was like super impressed <laughs> and i was like y'all need to roll with this y'all need to roll with this like right. success right now and hopefully it translates into the movie because child i i just can't with these i love dc comics but like I just cannot, I cannot do the live action. I can't do it. But congratulations to them. It was awesome. I thought that it was like a really well done. It's going to change. It's going to change how people do those conventions moving forward for sure. All right. Well, that was super exciting. Uh, you know, it's a very creative adaptation. Uh, I was not one of the views in the 22 million, but hey. hopefully I can run it back and see, you know, the great marvel you know pun intended of um what they were showing you know I, hopefully i can actually you know get to you know i, I want to see this i want to see the greatness i am looking forward to batman i am looking forward to wonder woman so the dc detractor crew you know my my dc hate levels of you know they've decreased a little bit so um you know i might actually go out there and inquire about this production and see what uh the hubbub is about yeah, man. I mean, uh, for all the people like JJ, who's like, hell no, I ain't watching this thing. Well, like Sydney said, it really, they really did re a really good job putting it all together. Like technically it was very, very smooth. They did a really good job of making it very immersive. A lot of fun feedback, a lot of, they tried to infuse a lot of people of color because obviously in their movies, they don't have a lot of like people of color really and truly in a DC universe. So they tried to have a lot of panels, um, discussions and leaders by black people, LGBT, LGBTQ and obviously there's intersections thereof you know what I mean so I think they did a pretty good job with that so I'm excited I wanted to keep it coming and like I told you guys before they split it up into two so there's going to be a part two on September 12th so we'll get to see it'll give JG a chance to, to you know kick them if they fail on this part two <laughs> of their live stream so I thought that was dope and I'm really happy to see more of them come along yeah send me a reminder text bro I'm just saying you know right, so I right. could actually remember to you know set out some time for this type of stuff the dc but, um, detractor they're both yeah because you know, i want to see i want to see the immersiveness well go ahead yeah i was gonna say that to be fair just for for your for your listeners i did not watch it at all but i got a lot of feedback from people who did and yeah. I, I mean like i saw little clips here and there but i didn't like spend time you know you know like hopefully this whole pandemic thing is not like for a really really long time but can you imagine <laughs> what what these like virtual conventions will you know like become even after this because there's just so much you can pull from from looking at like using dc fandom as a case study like i can't even imagine what the ones in the future will be like so i think that's exciting to look forward to even if you're not looking forward to DC, like looking forward to like what the other ones will become. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely going to become more of like a hybrid thing, which is going to be better, I think, for, I guess, the I guess medium, if you will, or, or type of event. So, yeah, man, I thought that was cool, you know, and um, just wanted to touch on that, man. So next up, we got another con, right? So apparently, 
I saw this yesterday on Twitter. Hasbro announced that they're doing, they're doing their own virtual event called PulseCon. And it's going to be streaming on September 25th and 26th. If you're anything like me, you're probably wondering, what the heck is this? Yeah, isn't Hasbro the toy company or something? Right. Action Ex- figures. Exactly. But Hasbro owns the rights to Transformers, Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, some Star Wars things. Obviously, they don't own Star Wars, but they have some connection to Star Wars, Ghostbusters. So, and um, Dungeons and Dragons, if you went into stuff like that. So, there's a lot of... I, I want to basically make people aware of that because they have some brands that people really love, but they're not aware that they're Hasbro because they don't understand that. A lot of those shows, they make the show to sell the toy. So that's why Hasbro owns a lot of the rights for some of these things. It's genius. You know what I mean? You just market the toy and you make a billion dollars off of the toy. You know, it's really kind of dastardly, diabolical, but it's kind of dope at the same time, to, to, be, <laughs> to be honest. So that's coming up. And yeah, man, look out for that. I'm curious to see what's going to come because Transformers had some cool properties on Netflix that came up the last week or so. I think it was War for Cybertron. It's supposed to be very, very good. So I can see more interesting things coming up as well as probably some teasers for maybe like a next Power Rangers movies. A lot of people kind of like the first one that came out um, <laughs> as well as a couple other stuff. So definitely, definitely look out for that. Um, you know, Hasbro classic i was a kid too you know once upon a time you know i love my toys power rangers my like go ask my dad man i used to go crazy over power rangers like three swords in my underwear running around <laughs> just killing it cutting down trees plants everything right but um aren't you a little transformers too but aren't you a little transformed out aren't you a little power ranger out like there's been a lot of power rangers man i think it's time they just take off the suits and take a break man. right well, like, I don't you know, know the Transformers used to go back to their planet and just go and chill, man. Like, it's been a lot of Power Rangers. It's been a lot of Transformers, bro. The movies, I, I think I stopped after, like, two or three. Well, I didn't like, really go ham on all the Transformers stuff. So I'm not somebody who saw every single movie. So I'm not, you know, I, I didn't see everything to the point where now I'm burnt out. You know what I mean? After I saw a couple of them, I said, hey, this, this might not be for me. So I'm going to tap out. And I haven't been really doing anything in Power Rangers for a very long time. So for me, it's really just from a curiosity standpoint. Like, let's see. You know what I mean? Something dope might arise. And if it doesn't, no skin off my back. I don't, I don't really care. You know what I mean? I don't really care enough to be invested like I am with like Marvel or DC. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. But like, like JG said, I, I was, I'm tapped out on Transformers. <laughs> I, I shut down after the third one. I don't really even know what the other ones were about. I like tried to watch Bumblebee and just could not get through it. And I just, yeah. So I, I, I like you, like everyone said here, like I, I was a kid too, and I was a huge Power Rangers fan. Right. Um, uh, I was also very not very disappointed, but I was underwhelmed by the recent uh, iteration of Power Rangers, a live action Power Rangers movie. So um, I think it's super interesting. I don't think that I will go watch it, but I'll, you know, follow up on to see if there's any like cool announcement, but that's cool. I think like, like we just talked about, people are going to start, you know, like jumping on this train with all of these virtual conventions and trying to pull people in. So right. if you, when you have their attention, especially right now, considering everything going on. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And if you could put together a decent trail, like what DC did, like DC doesn't have a great track record with execution, 
but it made a lot of good damn trailers. So a lot of people excited, and that's really half the battle from a money perspective. So I'm with y'all, man. No for once, no hard argument from me. I'm just curious to see what the hell gonna come out of this, man. But I thought that was dope. And again, that's uh, September 25th and 26th. Um, HasbroPulse.com. So we'll, we'll see, man. If it's dope, we're definitely going to cover it and talk about it. If it's not, then we really going to cover it just so we can have fun talking trash. But I thought that was cool, man. So um, Yeah, just I, I think I'll check it out, too, because I am a little curious what the hell they're doing. I mean, that's what but, he um, said. This is the same man that didn't watch not a lick, not one second of the DC fan no, but now he's going to watch the Pulse scan. Really? But, you know, I got to say, man, you know, as much as I'm tapped out on Power Rangers, look look what Netflix did with Sabrina the Witch. Right. Like, I, I feel like you could really, you know, do something with Power Rangers, you know, make it a little bit more mature, you know, right. put some more, you know, storyline behind there, make it more modern and stuff. You know, you could make like a fly, swaggy Power Rangers on yeah, Netflix. You but you sure. see, you got to have the mind of JG to, to, to do stuff like this. So, you know, it is what it is. Yep, yep. This this yeah. same mind I got his island boycotted. Yep, that's the type of guy you need oh running this ship. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Anyways, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Like, there is so much potential in Power Rangers. I would like go. I would be so freaking hyped if somebody did it the right way. So mm-hmm. you know, wishful thinking. But let's see if somebody does. Right. I'm such a Power Rangers fan. Oh hell yeah! That's yeah. It's definitely a classic. So I'm definitely with you guys. Like. Once it's a good rendition, I'm so excited to take it in, consume it, and, and discuss it. So I'm with y'all 100%, man. But um, I guess speaking of kind of like an interesting take or I guess a new take on, on I, guess, I guess a part of, I guess a part of um, the world that's kind of not really mentioned. So uh, Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon cast Kelly Marie Tran and emphasizes Southeast Asian representation. So basically, Disney is coming up with this movie, Raya the Last Dragon. Like we talked about Rose, you know, Kelly Marie Tran, who kind of got a lot of flack too, as well as, um, I mean, alongside uh, John Boyega for just be just for her presence in Star Wars or whatever, just being an Asian woman with lines. Um, she's going to be in Disney's upcoming film and is the first animated film to be inspired by Southeast, oh, Southeast Asian cultures. And I really like a lot of the art that's coming out of it. Um, it just looks very smooth. It looks like they're trying to do a, a really good job of sticking to the cultural material for the source material. And I really thought it was cool because as a person who loves nerdery, whenever you think about um, things set in Asia, really and truly, they really just focus on Japan, China. You know what I mean? So I like the fact that they're, they're having a, a movie that's kind of set in Asia, but it's Southeast Asia, a part of Asia that definitely is generally not explored as well as having, you know, it's Disney. So, you know, the artist is going to be flame. She's a strong actor. And, and I really was excited about that. So I, I kind of wanted to bring that up because I, I, I like when people use like people like in a lot of times people talk about, okay, we tired of sequels. We tired of old ideas. When I like when people do new ideas, they use the world around them instead of saying, well, let's do a new story with a Japanese background, you know? Let's do a new story in China with China. Well, no, let's focus on a part of Asia that people don't ever really talk about and really do it do it justice. So I, I thought that was really, really dope. And I'm, I'm excited to see how that like develops. Yeah, I um I looked at the I, I agree with you. The the visuals look really interesting. Um, I applaud Disney for, you know, 
checking out all of these other cultures that deserve to be because there's lots of colorful stories in there this is the first time i'm hearing of this when you um sent me the news um so i read about it and it seems super interesting um and yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah man you dug up some gold with this one you know i co-sign everything both of you said as far as the southeast asian culture you know that's a very rich culture with a lot of different stories and mythology of their own. So it's good to see them getting some shine with this, uh, this product here, this, uh, this film. And I might actually watch it cause it has dragons and I like dragons. So. Exactly. So sometimes it's not even complicated, <laughs> but yeah, man, I just thought that was dope, man. And some of the creatures coming out of it look interesting. So I- I'm just glad they, I'm just glad they actually being a little bit more creative. You know what I mean? And if they also found a good use for an actor that was just like maligned for no reason. So I'm glad they're keeping her around and, and keeping her in the fold. So I thought that was dope, man. But moving from like a new dope Asian character to a legendary dope Asian character, um, Mulan. So basically, folks, to get, to get you guys behind the curtain, we are recording a little bit early because I had to do some, some things in the real world. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're recording on Thursday, September 3rd. So tomorrow... On the fourth, Mulan is going to be out on Disney Plus, like we talked about in the past, for 30 bucks. And you'll basically have it for the duration of your subscription for Disney Plus. So that's coming out tomorrow. Definitely excited about that. But they released us uh, some news saying that, hey, if you don't buy it, you know, tomorrow or, or whatever, it's going to be free on December 4th. And then I was just like, me or somebody who has so much faith in Disney. So much faith in Marvel. I just Disney been killing it for the most part. Why the hell will you do that? You know all the cheapskates and the brokies go wait till December fourth to see as <laughs> Sydney raises her hand. <laughs> all the all the cheapskates go 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 wait till December fourth to watch this movie. Like why would you do that? I don't understand that. Make these people pay for this for this art, okay? The new release Mulan live action looking like. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. They got new characters, new witches. It's more historically accurate. And you don't give these brokies for free in December for Like, come on, man. Yeah, brokey here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll be catching me in December when it comes out. I'll, you see, if there was like a, like, a, like a data chart which shows like the spikes in streaming, you'll have like that little <laughs> spike for Friday and then like I'm in that spike in December there's gonna be a whole new spike of people I mean I think it's really strange that that they're doing that I I would if they were I mean like I expected them to do that but Mm. I expected them to wait a little bit longer before they like released it and I actually didn't understand and I and to be fair I didn't really look up to see like what the rules were around the um the $30 purchase I wasn't sure if it was like for a certain amount of time, like 48 hours that you're getting it, because I understand that they're trying to like still pull in the, the theater revenue that they're, um, they're losing. Right. Um, I didn't understand how that worked. Like I was like, well, if I'm going to be paying $30, I'm going to make sure that there's a lot of people in the room with me because like at least uh, several people should get some money's worth out Man. of it. If I'm paying freaking $30. Um, Sydney, so I didn't know that. Sydney, I didn't know that Sydney, you would be able you to just keep bite it. your tongue. You bite your tongue. You bite it. Bite it. Guys, this is why I am against I am against light skin fans. Okay. If you are a light skin oh person God. listening to this show, unsubscribe. 
I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. No, anyway, so, so he gonna park everybody, park everybody in the room to watch this twenty dollar movie. Freaking yeah, man. Cousins, distant well, cousins, aunts, <laughs> extended family flying in. Everybody. If cousins. But I, I think it. I think I, I, I'm glad that you said what you said because I didn't know that you would keep the subscription like for the duration of your, I mean, the, the purchase for the duration of your subscription. So that's good to know. Um, but then it's like, well, I can wait, you know, three more months and I, I'll still get to see it instead of paying $30 and then December comes. I just paid $30 really for like VIP or like early access. That's all that I paid for, which is, I guess is what it is, but exactly. I don't know. I may pay for it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to see it tomorrow, even though, and to be fair, just, I should have said this off of the jump. Mulan is one of my favorite Disney movies like ever. Mm-hmm. I think she's a badass character. Like, sure. Oh, um, so I was really excited when they, when all of the trailers and everything came out and then super disappointed because of everything that's happening with the pandemic. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm a very patient person. I can wait. I can wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's another word for cheap. Listen, listen. It's not like there's going to be any spoilers. You know what I mean? Like, if it was oh, like yeah, a they will. movie. Matter of fact. Well, yes. I take if you're listening out there, we're going to put Sydney's socials in the show notes. As soon as you watch this movie. <laughs> Let her know, know everything. <laughs> Please. We're going to point to the show Please notes. Don't. Guys. Please don't. I mean, you're, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. There are there there are there is like really like new characters and different parts of the story that are gonna be different. So like, uh, I don't know. This is mm-hmm. thinking taking all of that into perspective. Right. right. Maybe I will. I don't know. I won't see it on Friday, but I'll have to like convince my mom and be like, "Hey, like, do you think?" Oh, actually, no. I have to convince my brother about that because i'm sharing his um disney subscription Mm -hmm. yeah i bet you are i bet you are if you exactly (laughs) right that just shows you exactly i I bet you are you know what i mean um guys i know we're a new podcast you know we're growing the listenership you know we gain more subscribers every week and i appreciate you guys you know we are, we are small units so far, but I need you guys to just definitely spoil her. You need to teach her to support creatives and pay her little thirty dollars okay? <laughs> if she went to the theater, she would have spent 50 Okay? So, I don't know. Oh, Split it up. Be. 15 from you, 15 from your brother. There you go. Right. You know what I mean? You got support it. the creatives. I mean, every time Sydney come on here, I have to correct her for her nonsense. You know what I mean? And it's just becoming a tradition at this point. Uh, to make it worse, and your listeners are going to hate me now. But if my brother cares about Mulan enough, I won't even have to tell him anything and he'll probably just purchase it. And then I win in the long run because I have an account on his Disney Plus account. So I may, ba- may not even have to spend the $30. Shout out Uh-oh. to Jordan K. Paul. <laughs> Shout out to Jordan, man. Shout out to Jordan, man. Well, yeah, well, man. So you're basically doing exactly what they... This is What you're doing is exactly why they should have made everybody pay for it instead of making it come out for free in two months. But hey, I don't, I don't get paid the big bucks for Disney. What do you think, JJ? I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. No, I was just going to express my absolute excitement to see Mulan. I'm ready. You know, I'm just... I love it. You know, I think it's top five Disney movies. You know, my friend brought it to my attention. You know, he was like, it's better than Lion King. And at first, you know, the mental dissonance the cognitive dissonance i felt that at first then i really thought about it and i was like you know what he might he might have something with that i think people need to give mulan a little bit more props in the right. disney movie universe but um 
I would definitely pay for it, but I saw the trailers and I saw some snowy backgrounds. So I, I like to keep my seasonal integrity. So you know, I might watch that in December as opposed right. to just watching right. that during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And another reason to be cheap. This I is mean, a I winter had, movie here, bro. I had a lot of faith in you. And look, 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 I see you corrupting the podcast. Look, you see that. <laughs> Well, I I will be contributing to to Mulan for for giving me joy during the pandemic. You know what I mean? Somebody has to have integrity on this show, so it, it's going to be me, man. So shout out to Mulan and shout out to all the freeloaders who are going to be you know on the bandwagon December for twelve oh one a.m. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, man. Shout out, shout out to that man. Uh, up next, what we got? What we got? Speaking of Disney Plus, they are playing around with a watch party feature uh, for Disney Plus. I just thought that would be cool, obviously, in light of things like Mulan and The Mandalorian, which we'll talk about a little bit about later, um, season two. So apparently it would allow up to seven people to watch virtually at a time, which is dope. And they're going to have like an interactive chat as well. Some people kind of data mined the program. Um, Shout out to, I guess, the hackers and and the techie people. Wow. Data mined the program and that's basically what they found. So I guess that's in the works. And obviously, if it was going to be rolled out from Mulan, they would have said so. So any article saying that is true is full of shit. Yeah, they need least, to, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say they, they need to data mine that some more and bump it up to 10 people, man. Seven people. What kind of, you know, I know that, you know, that's the godly number or whatever, but you know, right. you should round that out to 10, man. You know, right, seven. Right, right. Seven. Yeah, so it, it, it is kind of a weird number, but I'm pretty sure there's some data behind it. You know what I mean? They probably figure people, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm sure there's some data behind it, man. So I just thought that was cool. Um, Obviously, not too much to say about that, but a cool feature. So I was really glad when I got some more news that relates to Disney Plus and Star Wars because we were having Sydney on the pod this week. But um. Obi-Wan Kenobi series is rumored to feature several familiar Star Wars character, characters. And it's going to include Commander Cody, who was a big part of uh, the, not, not the first trilogy, the, uh, the prequels. And they're going to have a heavy emphasis on flashbacks um, with Anakin, uh, basically making it based on like the hunt of Obi-Wan. So it's going to take place right after Vader becomes Vader. And obviously, he wants to hunt down the remaining Jedi. And he definitely going to want to hunt down Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan, you know, kind of murked him, basically. Cut him down in uh, episode three. So I saw this now just like, this is if this is the direction that they go in between the Mandalorian and this, they're going to be killing it with the storytelling. So I am so ready. More Obi-Wan versus... Vader, Vader, be, I mean, not Vader, I guess Anakin still becoming Vader in a way. He's not Vader completely, but he's kind of becoming Vader all the way. You might see some Inquisitors. Like, there's so many things they could do with this. And you could see more of like what Obi-Wan can do, what Vader is learning to do. So I'm ready, man. Yeah, I, I first want to take a quick step back to the watch party thing okay. because I think that I deserve an apology because all this meant was that I was being visionary in trying to pull people to watch the movie at one time. Okay. They Mm -mm. clearly had that in mind. So Mm -mm. any other movie that they're releasing for $30 or whatever, and they have that watch party feature, 
it's basically people are basically going to be doing what I just said I was going to do. So I think I, I deserve an apology. This is what I'll say because that was just so measured, you know, visionary, visionary, not spiteful. So this is my response to you. I do not apologize, and I award you no points. You want to know why? Because you would have to have a Disney Plus account to watch because they want people to pay for their no. products. Yes. No, it's going to ask you if you want to sign up. That's what the article said. Read the article. It wow. Wow. I can't believe I am, I, am, I am being, what's the word? Betrayed. But from what I understand, I, I thought that the account would be it would be required. So we'll we'll see. Okay, they're this is we'll they're data mining it. So we'll see. But if if okay. I am incorrect, I will welcome you on the show to have your moment of comeuppance, and then I'll just find a new way to slander you. Cause that's what I do. You know what I mean? That's that's deal. <laughs> deal. Anyways, okay. Excellent. So I think of all of the shows coming out of um, the Star Wars universe on Disney Plus. I I have been hyped. For Obi-Wan. I think Obi-Wan is one of my favorite characters. Um, Ewan McGregor is one of my favorite actors. Um, I loved what he did in um, the first three episodes. Like, yeah, I, I was super hyped for that. And reading about the cameos um, makes it even better for me. Reading that there will be, of course, like Darth Vader cameos um, and seeing his growth a little bit um, is super exciting. I think that I have a skewed view of those first three episodes outside of what I told you and like what I was actually talking about with my brother the other day was the fighting scenes um, in those first three episodes for me were like really, really exciting and a lot better than the, the, mo- the, the most recent three um, episodes. So I'd like to see them get back to like that fighting um, in terms of action in, t- in the shows. Right. And um, man, Obi-Wan is just such an amazing character and they have a lot that they can do with him, especially from what they're saying. If it's like um, Anakin hunting him down, um, yeah, they they're on point, and I'm just more excited to see who's directing and who's writing and all of those things. I applaud them because Mandalorian was so good. I can't even imagine how like nerded out I'm going to be about Obi Wan watching that show and waiting for the episodes to come out. Like, very very excited. Yeah, I have to echo that excitement because, you know, I like to see new stories and that's a story that hasn't been told, you know, Anakin's transition into the role of Darth Vader and Obi-Wan becoming a nomad and traveling around the world trying to survive. You know, I think in the lore, Darth Vader, after, you know, after all, you know, the Order 66 was executed and everything just went straight down the drain. He did a lot of hunting, you know, he did a lot of, um, he actually wanted to prove his like worth and skill to the emperor. So he yes. went out there and he was like hunting hordes of Jedi that somehow survived, you know, so he would find other Jedi and hunt, you know, kill them, hunt them down. So yeah, they should go all in on the, uh, the lightsaber duels, like you said, cause I love the lightsaber duels and that type of fighting. And uh, we should definitely see that, that, um, that process of him actually becoming Vader and, you know, the type of stuff that Obi-Wan went through within his uh, isolation and seclusion. Yeah, man. I, I just think it's just, I'm, I'm so ready, man, because if they tell it in the same way to tell the Mandalorian, I know you have characters that people are really, really invested in because people liked Mando, but it's kind of like a new love and it's, it's, it's a lot deeper, but these characters, 
You have Vader being, he's going to be fully evil now or, or in quest, in the quest to become like the embodiment of evil. And like you said, Obi-Wan's character, like there's so much to do. And if they shoot it anywhere near the way they shot the Mandalorian, like we're going to have a classic on our hands. And to be honest, I, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that transition of seeing Anakin become Darth Vader. For a long time, I've yes. had many ideas of what it would be like, and even more so than what happened to Obi Wan. And I love Obi Wan, so if they give me enough of that in this, because I know it's supposed to be about Obi Wan, and what they said is that like it's sort of like cameo ish, like you'll see some flashbacks, you'll see him every once in a while to kind of give you that tease and that like itch of Darth Vader that you want. Um, I I mean, that's that's enough for me. Like I I would still want to see a fully expanded story on. Um, that transition for Anakin, like I really am right. super curious to, to to figure out what happened there. I've always asked that question since um, Episode Three um, came out. I always, I was just like, I, I I almost thought that that was the next step in the Star Wars universe, not like what they did with Ray and everything. I was like, right. it has to be this transition for Anakin. Like right. that's what I want to see. So. I am I am above and excited about this and I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited for them to... I think it'll be really, really dope for, to see Hayden... What is his name? It's Hayden Christensen, I believe. Him come back and they actually attempt to, like, have him have a good performance because in the prequels, it was bad. I don't know if... I'm pretty sure the story was kind of whack, so maybe that's why he was bad. He hasn't really worked a lot since that and a couple other movies aside from, like, um, Taker's and I think it was Butterfly Effect or a, or a similar movie to that. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm ho- I hope they could redeem him on the acting side. And like Sydney said, like a Vader story with Obi-Wan, like you can't miss with that, man. Like, oh my God, it is going to be great, man. So I'm definitely excited about that. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. So, oh man, I, I just can't wait. They need to speed it up, man. But luckily for us, um, Mando season two is coming very, very, very soon, man. Mandalorian season two is coming on October 30th to Disney Plus, man. Um, we were a bit fortunate in that um, they were filming so quickly after the, the first season that COVID didn't really interrupt their process too much. They actually were in a position where once COVID kind of took over the planet, they were just in post-production, kind of cleaning things up, editing here and there. They weren't really shooting so much. So, yeah, man, my Lord, season two is coming back. And again, more Mando, more Baby Yoda, and some Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. So I'm hoping that comes through, man. So, oh, my God. So I guess quickly, um, I guess, Sydney, what are you most excited for, for, I guess, season two? And then I'll go to John. Yeah, I mean, for your listeners who may have heard me talk about it, I guess I think it was actually my first time on the pod. Um, mm-hmm. I was a latecomer to The Mandalorian. Um, right, right. And for just very technical, I didn't have Disney Plus or anything like that, but I did watch it. I did get up to speed. Um, and it's such a great show. And I think the visuals, the story, I didn't really follow um, Mando before that, even like watching all of the other stuff in the unit. I didn't really, I mean, he wasn't one of my favorite characters or anything. I didn't really care to follow him, but um, they, I mean, the Mandalorian, the show proved to me that um, the Star Wars universe after the movies 
can still be as like enticing and um, just like exciting and all of those great things that you feel when you go into the movie theater to watch Star Wars. So I was really, really impressed about it. And I, I, to be, I mean, I feel really basic saying this because like it was all everyone was talking about was Baby Yoda, AKA the child or the child AKA Baby Yoda. Um, and I just fell in love with that, with the, with the character and I'm super excited for Baby Yoda. Um, Baby Yoda is my profile picture when I log into Disney Plus. It's like I'm absolutely obsessed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm excited for it, and I I, I feel kind of hyped that I can follow Ooh. along now the same time that everybody else is because I was so late to the game the last time. Um, the Rosario, I think that Rosario is going to be is going to easily fit into the the style of the show. I think that she was such a great pick. Um, and right. yeah, I, I think she's going to do a good job. So I'm excited for it. Um, can't wait. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be dope, man. So JG, what, I guess how you feel about season two, like you ready for it or how are you feeling about it? I guess. This is an excitement echo chamber. All right. <laughs> I'm sending it right back and multiplying it by 10. Right. All right, Disney, you know, whoever's in charge, they pulled a, a Marvel with the Mandalorian. They took a fringe character, Waba Fett, Java Fett, and turned them into something that people are just craving over, raving over. They love it. Because, you know, I really like the character. I always thought, you know, because I had the, the, the video games for Star Wars. So, you know, you could play as some of the villains sometimes, and I'd play as Jabba Fett. And I always thought, you know, that, you know, their whole suit was cool and the jetpack and all that stuff. And the flamethrower, that's, you know, that's iconic. The flamethrower on the hand. But, um, you know, they're really fleshing out that character with the Mandalorian. I didn't even know that there was a planet or any type of species or any, any type of group of people called the Mandalorian. So right. it's always been a very interesting series to me. You know, they, they gave us a whole new story, a whole new background with whole new characters. And they're just going to dive right into the, to the normal, you know, the more... Uh, the Star Wars world that we know of while taking the newer characters and putting them in with the Jedi and Ahsoka and everybody. And they're kind of just bringing it into the full picture now with the season, the second season. So I'm excited. And I, I like Ahsoka. Her character is dope. I play with her too in the game. She's a beast. Right. She's a very skilled Jedi. Jedi Knight. Hell yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%, man. I, I just wanted to find, you know, something that embodied the way we all felt about Star Wars. I mean, this is basically how we all feel about the Mandalorian season two coming. Wait, I'm with whatever. I'm with everything. Like, I'm with it all. What you want to do? I'm a slut. What's up? Get me lit. I dare you. That's pretty much how I feel about, you know, Star Wars Mandalorian season two. You know what I mean? When it comes out, that's why I said to the Disney Plus. You know what I mean? So, I'm with whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah, my October 30th is coming out. Man, I just I just can't wait, man. They just laid a good such a good foundation for season one. So can't complain about season two at all, man. So shifting is a little bit from from all the Disney Plus and Star Wars uh goodies. Um had something interesting from Toonami come out earlier this week. Tom, kind of like the host of the Toonami segment, basically released a speech in support of Black Lives Matter that I thought was was pretty, really cool. So I'm gonna run that real quick so we could hear that goodness there's been a lot of talk about race lately i don't see color racism isn't real anymore 
all lives matter, these words are actually harmful and steer away from the bigger issue. Racism still exists. Discrimination toward people of color still exists. Have you actually done it? Have you been able to overcome hatred? It's up to all of us to recognize that and take action. The decisions you make and the actions that follow are a reflection of who you are. If you're thinking, maybe, but not me, you've got some truth to uncover. But if you open your eyes and let go of the hate, you will see the truth. If you're thinking, this isn't why I watched Tsunami, think again. Think about how you can fight against injustice. All of us together, standing and fighting as one. Think about how you can be a part of an honest conversation about racism. Because black lives matter and will always matter. Wow. Wow. I, I got Can I lead off on this one? Yeah, man. You know, I grew up watching Toonami. And to hear this speech, it kind of gave me some goosebumps, man. It was amazing to see a childhood figure that I've seen for so many years, you know, actually speak on something that affects me in a, you know, in a much larger way. And then at the same time, he kept it classic because, you know, they've been doing the same thing, but with other things. They'll right. use, they'll give you, even the, even as a little kid, they'll give you these substantive, these substantial messages using little cuts and scenes of the actual shows that come on Toonami. So he, they, they kept the same classic way of relaying messages, the Toonami way, but with something that's actually socially relevant in these times. And I just had to sit back and say, wow, man, I, did, I couldn't believe that they actually did that. You know, that, you know, Toonami is very, you know, a very um, popular program. You know, they could be taking a risk with all these crazy, hateful people out here you know, as far as viewership, but they came out and they did it, man. And they did it the classic Toonami way, man. I just put a smile on my face, I have to say. Yeah, man. I, I, I just thought it was dope. You know, obviously, everybody here agrees that Black Lives Matter. Like, we didn't really have to talk about that. <laughs> but, um, no, I just thought it was cool, man. Um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it and you felt good about it. Um, I felt good about it, too. But I'm really happy, really and truly, for, like, the kids. You know what I mean? The kids growing up in this era who get to see a program that they're watching from a young age support them and support a message that supports their life. So I was, I was really happy that they put it out. And I think it's really, really dope. And it shows like the power of having like a diverse staff or having like black people behind the scenes because um, in the industry, uh, basically the whole cartoon network channel, they have a bunch of black writers. They have a bunch of black staff, obviously being in, um, being in Atlanta def- definitely doesn't hurt. You know, so they've been behind a, a lot of like progressive thoughts and scripts and stories and stuff like that. So I just thought it was really, really cool in general and super dope for the kids. Yeah, I I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I I wasn't the biggest tsunami um, watch. Like I didn't watch it terribly often, but I watched some some of the shows re- religiously. Um, not everything. So it was like super refreshing for me to see that. But then it was also kind of frustrating at the same time that 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 they had to say that message only because like a lot of the um, my assumption is that there are many of the super hateful people, uh, ignorant people who were kids just like us and watched Toonami and didn't see that all of those messages were in the show already. (laughs) Right. if you if you take the theory that like you know these kids are watching all of these shows or playing all of these video games and they're absorbing all of that stuff that they're seeing on tv 
how like in the world we still have people as you know what i mean like who grew up watching tsunami but still have these really crazy ignorant thoughts it's just right. like insane but at the same time like i said it was refreshing and validating um to know that like those shows had our back you know what i mean like they they had the right message and that they have right. been consistent since we were younger that's like a really cool and refreshing thing to see so i was like really impressed and like you know kudos to tsunami because that was and time you know, i mean not timely but like you know um that that they saw they had the foresight to say like let's just like remind them who we are and who you guys were for watching us that's that's right. what i got out of it yeah no perfectly said man yeah just to reiterate it is all about the kids you know as pleased as i was i'm happy that they're experiencing you know a positive message um what sydney said is an excellent point that could be a giant conversation within itself. Um, you know, I think that, um, but, but it's just good to see that we're adding more positive factors to tip the scales in a world right. filled with negative influences everywhere on TV. You know, Toonami still giving us those substantial messages using some of your, you know, favorite shows. So, um, you know, hopefully the kids um, are, are wiser than the hateful fools who right. watched Toonami back in the day. Right, right. Yeah, That's man. Right. It's so. a clear, direct message. Yeah, exactly, man. It was clear. It said everything that needed to be said. And like you said, JG, they did it in a tsunami way. You know what I mean? So it didn't feel like too out of left field. You know what I mean? So yeah, dope, 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 man. So I love, love that, man. So shout out to tsunami. Of course, my guy, Tom, shout out to Tom for leading me through the anime wilderness as a child. I appreciate him. Um, But yeah, man, dope stuff. Tom been through a lot, man. Right. Killed by aliens and shit. <laughs> he been through a lot. Came back, resurrected. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, right. He, 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 went, he went through the government, man. So I agree 100%, man. But um, yeah, man. So shout out to that, man. Next up, um, I thought it was really, really dope. So uh, last week, JG talked about Lovecraft Country, a show that's on HBO. That's kind of genre bending. Um, has a lot of horror elements, fantastic elements, mixed in with some historical accuracy about the lives of Black people in the mid-20th century and the things they have to deal with. We're going, we're dealing with, obviously, racism and sundown counties and all that stuff. Well, that show has basically doing a... It, has a, it got a companion social VR experience sanctum. And basically what they're doing, which is really cool, is... They are doing a virtual reality event, and they basically invited a hundred guests um, in a world to to a world inspired by the show, and basically through YouTube Live and that apparatus, so that VR experience, you can basically have an experience like you're in the show, and so it's basically going to consist of like a series of exclusive virtual rea- reality events that's going to transport the invited guests to a world inspired by the show. And I just thought this was so cool because obviously if you have a show that is like, has like some jump scares, has fantastical elements, how better to like promote the show and get people more invested in a show that's already getting a lot of like good critical review than putting in that VR component. So I just thought that was so, so dope. And it's making me want to watch the show even more, man. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very excited because uh, the world of Lovecraft Country is is very strange. You know, it's mythical yet realistic at the same time. So to delve into that world with something else that's more interactive that involves other people, that's very exciting. 
you know, that whole online interacting with other people to solve puzzles, things that that's, that's really cool, man. I did the escape the room once with a group of people and that was a lot, you know, strangers, really my couple friends and strangers. And that was a lot of fun, man. So imagine doing that with just random people all over the world, maybe, um, you know, in the Lovecraft country, you know, universe, that'd be really exciting. I think. Yeah, man, I, I just thought it was really, really dope. So, Sydney, the listeners know that I am behind. I know there are only about three episodes in, but I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. Have you got a chance to check this out? Dreadful. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't, to be honest. Um, I, I heard about it, and for some reason, it didn't pull me, but uh, I'll take a look at the, the first three episodes. That's, that's the beauty now that I know that it's not too far in. I didn't even know where they were in the season. Um, so I don't, I, I, I can't give a lot about the, you know, like, this is like how intriguing the show is, but in terms of like the VR experience, I've, I have, I've done a couple and they were either um, sometimes a little frustrating for me. So I'm actually a little, I'm curious to see how it goes because I haven't had good experiences doing VR stuff, even connected to shows or movies or things like that. Um, yeah, but I I don't want to like knock it because I don't really know what the show I know like sort of like the basic concept of the show, so maybe it works really well with that. You know what I mean? Um it's also really interesting to have a VR experience when it follows like some historical accuracy to that time for black people in America. You know what I mean? Like I it's just like a really interesting take to do a VR experience with that. So I'm curious and kind of staying a little reserved about it until it comes until that comes out to see how it goes. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. You and Joel. It's unacceptable. It's only no, three it episodes. Dive in. All right. No, it is, you. man. I, I I gotta get on it, man. The, the, from what JG said about it, it sounds amazing, man. I just like the way they basically, you know what I mean? They're giving you some some medicine, but you're not tasting the medicine. You know what I mean? They're really they're doing a good way of, of fitting it in together in a way that is entertaining, but you kind of get the view of how horrific things like racism is, can still be, and definitely was for sure back in those times. But, you know, sprinkle a little magic in there, sprinkle a little tradition and, and, and different fun elements in there, and obviously Journey Smollett, you know what I mean? And, and to be fair, I mean, from what how JG describes it, for me, it has all of the elements that I like in movies or shows. Like, I'm a really big horror fan. Um, I'm a really big, like, historical or, like, um, timepiece fan, like, time period fan. Like, I, I love stuff like that. And I love fantastical things, too, like, you know, magic and mythical things and things like that. But um, so it has all of the elements that I like. So I should be like totally on board. I'm actually, I'll, I'll give it a watch. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, for sure. For once, I'm actually not pressuring you because I, I, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. So I don't, I don't have the right to actually bully you, <laughs> bully you about that, man. But definitely going to check it out and we'll definitely talk more about that, man. All right. Up next, uh, we have some more goodness from, from DC, guys. You know, the last few weeks have been, like, so damn DC heavy. It's actually kind of funny, funny, funny to me. But James Gunn, when he was talking about uh, the Suicide Squad, said that um, about his character roster for the Suicide Squad, too, he wanted to stick with Ostrander's original vision 
of mostly second-rate antagonists. There's an innate tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. And I found that, I thought that was really, really cool. It really intrigued me that he said that because I, I think it's a good point about getting like the right type of sort of storytellers to tell your stories because even that little piece makes me even more compelled to, you know what I mean? To kind of watch, to kind of watch the movie and, and see how they do it because um, it just, it, it like basically like creates a new dynamic, right? Cause basically if you know anything about a suicide squad, they're basically obviously the bad guys and the government was able to capture them and put like a chip in them. So if they ever, don't follow orders or try to escape a mission or something like that. They're literally going to like make themselves destruct. You know what I mean? So the fact that you have bad guys who aren't even good at being bad guys, you know what I mean? Who are already expendable and you point them, you point them on these missions to basically confront the good guys. It kind of makes it competent. Like, okay, you have bad guys who kind of want to be bad guys, but they aren't that good. So there's like a tension there, but then there's also, Hey, I need to be good bad guys and, and work on behalf of the government so I don't get killed. But wait, I'm, I'm bad at being bad. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just I saw this little excerpt that he said, and I was just like, the more I hear about this Suicide Squad movie, the more this might rise to the top of the next crop of DC films. Definitely looks way better than the last. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the DC detractors. <laughs> That's all he had. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't follow, to be, as a DC detractor, I don't really follow a lot of it. And um, uh, the fact that James Gunn is on it, for me, is reassuring because it just seems like a good fit um, just from the style that he does with Guardians. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic to be honest, I, I didn't really have a problem with The Last Suicide Squad. I, it was just kind of there for me. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of like, meh, like just there. So it'll be a step up. That, that's all I can say. And I guess I guess it's going to turn into like a DC trash conversation or like a shady, DC shady <laughs> conversation. But hey, right. I mean, it's, it's good. I'm, 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 a little, I'm not optimistic. Right. Yeah, no. That, I mean, I'm with you. Like anybody who don't have faith in DC... I, I understand. Just so I kind of have to wait and see what they come up with. But like, I have faith in James Gunn, and the more I hear about the story, I'm like, okay, this this could be good. So we will have we will have to see, man. So shout out to James Gunn, man. Um, sticking on that DC note, um, the Black Adam producer basically teases big ambitions for Zachary Levi and Dwayne Johnson's characters in Black Adam. Um, I don't know me and JG talked about it a little bit. I was a little bit concerned about the direction of where Black Adam was going. The fact that they're taking Black Adam, who is like Shazam's main antagonist, and taking him out of that world, that continuity with Shazam. But from this interview that they did with Collider, it really seems that Black Adam is going to be taking place with like within the same continuity as those movies. So it makes me feel like, okay, there may be a confrontation with Shazam and his antagonist, Black Adam. But then at the same time, it kind of made me a bit more confused because I'm just like, okay, so 
if he's going to exist within the same continuum as Shazam, BVS, Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, and he's supposed to be around and be working with, I guess, the Justice Society of America, like the predecessor to the Justice League, how are you going to square away the timeline? You know what I mean? And I, I, how are you going to square away the timeline if you just drop this guy into a story that's already bonkers? Like, how are he going to be out and about and he just basically ignoring all the other things that's happening around the world with all the other heroes, you know? So the multiverse. I, <laughs> but how? That's the thing. Like, I feel you. Like, we talked about if they use the multiverse smartly is a good way to kind of give them room to or reorganize everything. But it seemed like a week after they debuted the whole multiverse and their plan, they're already making it more confusing than it needs to be. JG, help us. Okay, help us make sense from nonsense. I don't know if I can help with this one, man. You know, Black Adam just sounds like Superman with attitude, man. That's what he sounds like, man, you know. I I don't know, like a a dark Superman that bullies people or something like that, you know. Dwayne Johnson, charismatic guy. Uh, Yeah, Black Adam. I don't know what to say too much. I mean, you know, I really need to do my research on this guy. Right, right, right. I mean, I read the article, but even that was confusing. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to go. Sydney, help me, please. Help us, please. This is, this is just consistent with how confusing and frustrating DC has been. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this is not new to me. And on top of the fact that I'm not going to help both of you guys with this because uh, number one, I need to do some more research on Black Adam to be fair. I mean, um, to be fair, but um, when I read the article and they talk about uh, big ambitions for Dwayne Johnson, I'm not the biggest Dwayne Johnson fan. I don't think that he can provide a lot of depth for me. And with these characters, I feel like, um, especially DC right now, they need to kind of find that depth again. And um, Dwayne Johnson is not going to do I just, I'm, I'm fairly confident Dwayne Johnson is not going to do it for me. So um, this is just them being consistent with how frustrating they've been for me the past couple of years. I mean, this is the first time in uh, nerdery and nonsense history that, that Sydney has just hit it right on the head. She hit the nail right on the head. I'm just hearing her. This is my response to you, Sydney. This is how I feel about it. Does you ask the question? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Yes. Sydney is 100% correct. So thank you for finally us getting back on the same page. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Man. But yeah, man, like this whole thing is a mess. And then here's a little cherry on top, guys, before we move on to some of our last topics. Now it's, it's been reported that it was already a mess. The multiverse was a mess. We don't know if the rock could handle this role, bring depth to it. All of those points, right? No, him and his entire family got COVID. I wish him a speedy recovery. Um, take a break from Black Adam. Uh, just take as much time as you need. A very long time before coming back to it. Did <laughs> you say he wanted you to take another 13 years to develop this property, man? But yeah, man. So obviously we want everybody to be healthy, but it's just like, now him as a hint, his entire family have COVID and filming was about to start first quarter, to first quarter of 2021. Obviously, he's a rock. They're very rich. They probably have great health care. But 
COVID is a crazy thing where sometimes it could take you months to recover. So who knows what's going to happen with this, man? So whether it's the script or, or the real wall, DC cannot catch a break, man. But we'll see what happens with, with Black Adam. You know, maybe Sydney will be right. Maybe she won't. But only time will tell, man. But yeah, man. So the last thing we have before we, get, we have some absurd nerdery and wrap it up. AMC, JG's favorite theater, is going to open 70% of theaters for tenant release, which is coming out, you know, in the U.S. Uh, this Labor Day weekend, including San Diego. So 70% of its locations are going to be open for Labor Day. <sighs> Approximately 420, 420 AMC locations will be open nationwide starting tonight as of our recording <laughs> so thursday um september 3rd jg the people dying to know you didn't have an opportunity before you talked about fighting the covid mano y mano are you going to see tenet in amc <sighs> if i'm the only one in the theater i'll go but seeing that it's after labor day 420 movies, it's going to be packed like sardines. I can see it now. Those theaters are going to be packed, I think. And I just, that, it just, that just sounds too stressful for me. I already can't <laughs> deal with a lot of people. Really? So, you know, you're know, you going to have this mass hysteria coming in there, all these rules and shit. Nah, man, that's not the movie experience that I love and cherish. So I might have to take a rain check and... Yeah, man, I'll probably astral project or use my force <laughs> abilities to go in there and watch it that way. That's about it. I mean, do I need to say this? This is a terrible idea. I mean, for so many reasons. This is just so such a terrible idea. Oh, my God. So, Sydney, I mean, are you going to see Tenet this weekend? or? Good, <laughs> I would not. Um, that's super reckless. Oh my goodness. And irresponsible <laughs> and just greedy. And like, right. all I could even just picturing if like AMC was a person, it would be like somebody who was in the desert and their like throat was like filled with sand and they were gasping for like some water and they do anything just to like quench their thirst. And this is them doing that being super reckless. Like it's, right. I mean, Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, I mean, this this one here, my son, this, this feels like a mistake. But Tenet, you know, is getting pretty good reviews. And I know a lot of people are being overcome by boredom. So so we're we, we going to see. I'm just glad that the people, you know, who come on on the pod, you know, are, are being safe. Because me and JG do- joked about having to start a GoFundMe, you know what I mean, to raise money for anybody who, who, who got the COVID. So I'm, gl- I'm glad everybody on the show is acting accordingly man so that was it for news that intrigues um unfortunately we ended with a lot of covid in the last couple of the last couple of articles that wasn't a plan but the, the news came up but yeah man now i want to talk about absurd nerdery um aka never go full nerd man and, and jg found a dope article so so jg if you would and i mean tee te- this up for us all right, folks, hold on with me. This is going to be a little shocking. All right, this stay in your seats. Make sure you're not, um, you know, in any, any, and you know, don't, don't, I don't want you to fall out your seat and hit your head on anything. 
Sorry, hold on. The FBI, Los Angeles, this is in Los Angeles. The FBI will be investigating an incident that took place near Los Angeles International Airport after an American Airlines pilot reported seeing a mysterious person in a jet pack flying in the path of incoming jets Sunday evening. <laughs> the American Airlines pilot reported via radio seeing a guy in a jet pack at about 3,000 feet in the air. And then a JetBlue, um, you know, the airline, JetBlue Airlines pilot then also saw the same person. I wish I could play the video for you. You know, the guy calls in and says, Tower, American 1997. That's the, that's the, uh, the name of the, that's the number of the plane. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. Imagine hearing that. You know, I, I know about Marvin the Martian. I know about the Mandalorian. But a real live jetpack, bro, in the real world? Now, there are companies that have these jetpacks, but clearly that's not a very common thing. You know, you don't see people with jetpacks on the highway. You know, the technology is not, it's not widespread yet. And, they, and the, the company already came out and said and denied that they had anything to do with it. And um okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This this uh-huh, this so, this sound to me like in Iron Man when he was trying out all the mechanics for his Iron Man suit and they yep. said this was a training exercise. This why yeah. this is why it sounded like to me. You know what I mean? But go ahead, right. I didn't mean to cut you up. No, it's fine. You know, I was just saying that um, yeah, this you're right. It does sound like Tony Starks is out there doing a trial run on some of his uh machinery. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. A jetpack, you know, because the company was saying that their jetpack is so loud that people on the ground would have seen it. So right now they're trying to investigate where it could have come from, any witnesses. But yes, people, there is an absurd nerd out there who has real (laughs) jetpack. There is an absurd nerd in this world who owns jetpack technology. There's a real jetpack out there and he's flying in the air. And he's passing planes and giving them the thumbs up and waving and everything, bro. So, yeah, he's out there. He's out there. Yeah. So, so, so basically, basically this, this man show up, this man show up next to the airline, the airplane, and this, this is what you have to say. This man is a wild boy. Like, this man literally roll up, roll up, roll up in the air. Why would we say FAA be damned? You know what I mean? He's <laughs> he about to push his jetpack, man. This is this is ridiculous. Cindy, what's up, man? Cindy, let's let's talk about I this, man. Actually, I actually want <laughs> the FBI to see this through because I have to know who this man is. I actually want to know who he is so I can salute him for like <laughs> something so absurd. And you know, he clearly had a lot of time on his hands, like everybody else. But like, he put that time to good use because he made it happen. He made his dream happen. And I actually can't be mad at him. But I mean, he'll probably be going to jail, jail for a long time for <laughs> you know being in like restricted airspace, which is just an absurd thing for me to say out loud. But like. Yeah, I, w- I want to know who this man is. Kudos to him. Yeah, because, you know, he risked mid-air collision, so they could definitely probably give him some charges on that. But, um, yeah, just imagine that, man. Um, Tower, we just passed a guy in a jetpack. <laughs> imagine hearing that shit. That's, <laughs> that, that's crazy, man. But, um, you know, let's, let's, keep, let's keep the airways and air passages safe, all right? Right. As, I don't know if I'd be, like, super excited or super terrified. 
see somebody outside my damn window seat in a jetpack. You know, you need to stay away from yeah, these and the other, the other thing that came to my mind when I had read that was, like, first, the American Airlines pilot, like, had to have thought these people think that I'm crazy. Like, oh, my God, I'm probably going to lose my license. They think that, like, I'm losing it. But then to have that JetBlue pilot, like, validate him had to have been, like, the best feeling ever. You know what I mean? Because it's such an absurd thing to say to right. the tower. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah, they're, they're actually, if you watch the little news clip, they're trying to, like, keep it on the hush and say, yeah, we don't know if it was really a jetpack. <laughs> but you have two pilots that saw the same damn jetpack man cruising? Come on now. It was a jetpack. Stop playing. Tell her, yo, it's right. Iron Man. I'm just hoping it's not a villain, man. You know what I mean? We have enough villains in the wall right now. I don't need any more issue. I just, I just hope it's Iron Man and it's not like Doctor Doom or something. Because if so, we screw people. Completely True screwed. That. True that. <laughs> so, never go full nerd because you're never, risking ever. lives. Never, ever, never, ever, man. Definitely, man. So, my God, man. Dangerous, but definitely, definitely hilarious, man. So, uh, with that, I'm just going to leave you guys with my, my beautiful words of wisdom to wrap up the show. And obviously, you know, as we talked about, we lost Chadwick Boseman. So, this one is also from Chadwick Boseman. He said, uh, the thing about purpose is that it unfolds to you more and more every day. You could be living in what was revealed to you at a particular time, and then you might get stagnated because there's more than you're supposed to do, more that you're supposed to do. It doesn't just stop as you do one thing. I think it's about being open to what you're supposed to do at this moment and not getting stuck in the past. Purpose is not related to career. It's related to what God put inside you that you're supposed to give to the world, man. So. Dope words from Chadwick Boseman, as always. Rest in peace to Chadwick. And that was it for the episode, folks. Um, as always, thanks to JG for joining me weekly. And definitely special thanks to Sydney, who uh, accepts my relentless trolling. She's an excellent sport. I appreciate her. So thanks. Thanks for coming on, Sydney. It was an honor, Always, Sydney. man. I always enjoy the, the conversations. For sure, for sure. We're definitely going to have Sydney back on soon, as soon as we can. And uh, like we said at the top of the show, guys, uh, give us some feedback. You know all the ways to do that. It'll be in the show notes. And like last week, we shall read it on the show. So we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.